friends, and welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to After the Ever, your podcast dedicated to all things paranormal and macabre, hosted by me, the Pumpkin Queen. It is so nice to be sitting in the studio again. I think I said last episode, life was crazy, but holy crap, the stuff life has thrown me and Wolfman lately has been insane. But anyway, this episode will hit all of my three spooky senses. We've got conspiracy theories, some strange paranormal activity, and even some folklore. I have also come to find out the consensus of most podcast listeners love short intros. So with that, grab your coffee or your blanket, light your favorite candle, and let's dive in to Helltown, a.k.a. Boston, Ohio. The setting, Boston, Ohio, 1974. There's not a soul to be found in this eerie place. All that remains are the remnants of the lives the former residents left behind. Pieces of family history scattered on the floors and in the halls of the structures the people of Boston, Ohio once called home. An abandoned school bus makes its last stop in this town and dangerous roads that seemingly lead to nowhere. One of the many things that makes this Midwestern town an area so unique is it doesn't look at all that old. Although some of the buildings bear the features of that early American era, the rest are distinctly 20th century. While what really happened to the town's residents is quite disturbing in its own way, most of the urban legends have a rather unique explanation. What we know now as Helltown was the oldest village in Summit County, Ohio. This Boston township was founded in 1806, along with Boston Village, Sagmore Hills, Northfield Center Township, and was often referred to as Boston Mills. Boston Mills was once a thriving paper mill, settled first in the 1820s. The town economy was flourishing as the Ohio and Erie Canal, and later the train station brought people to the area. In the 1960s was when the national movement to save the forests in the United States began. So as the national concern about deforestation grew tremendously in the early 70s, on December 27, 1974, while President Ford was actually on a ski trip in Vail, Colorado, the president approved legislation that allowed the National Park Services to have power and eminent domain over the land to preserve the forests. Now, I don't know, it kind of strikes me as odd. Why would the government be in such a rush to have a bill signed that they had to disturb the President of the United States on Christmas holiday when he was on vacation? 
I don't know. I just think the timing is a little odd. While the idea behind the bill may have been in good intention, it was actually really bad news for the residents living in the areas. These areas were now designated by National Park Services for new parks. The area that is now dubbed Helltown and the people living there had no choice but to sell their properties to the government. One upset mover scrawled on his own gloomy wall, now we know how the Indians felt. Yikes. That hits a little different, don't you think? So the government began buying the properties from the people, apparently much faster than they could actually demolish the homes and the businesses. So in a very short amount of time, there were no people in the town, just abandoned houses and businesses that were all boarded up with the official federal government no trespassing signs. The village was empty and in shambles. Basically, it was a ghost town. Okay, so we've heard how this happened. Oh, can you guys hear Johnny in the background? Here's Johnny. I finally got to do it. I've always wanted to do that on an episode. I knew it would happen sometime. Okay. Conspiracy 1. Because of how fast this displacement of hundreds of people happened, the locals all have their own theories, most of which involve government cover-ups. Fun fact. The bill was signed in 1974, but the land was not designated as a national park until October 11th, 2006, 26 years after the town was evacuated. So we have to hurry up and sign the bill two days after Christmas, but we're not going to do anything with it until 26 years later. Sounds a little fishy to me. So most of the former residents, like I said, have their own theory. The most relevant theory was they say the town was evacuated by the government after a toxic chemical spill that resulted in bizarre mutations in the local residents themselves and in animals. This situation only worsened when the National Park Service acquired the Kretschke dump. The residents of the town are documented saying that the smell of sulfur was very prominent leading up to the evacuation. This toxic spell was said to have encroached on 47 acres of land near Boston Heights. This quickly spawned rumors of a chemical spell in a mutant town, complete with a mutant snake and even a holiday known as Python Day to match. With nothing alive in the northern part of Summit County town, passersby started to get those Roanoke vibes. Number two, paranormal activity. So even if you take away the conspiracy of the chemical spill, the road into Helltown has its own paranormal activity. One of those roads was dubbed as the end of the world, which is also another name for Stamford Road. You can look it up on the map. Most roads within Helltown are no longer in use. 
and road closure signs are in many, many places. One steep road in particular earned the name End of the World because of a sharp turn which offers a deep drop just on the other side, making it appear as if you would fall off into the end of the world, especially when you're traveling at night. It's been reported by some travelers that the road is possessed, and it's been said that there has been many fatalities. To add to that, other legends say an evil force will try to take control of your car and force you to crash. Even the old abandoned school bus is the center of a dark legend. In one version, the children it carried were slaughtered by an insane psycho killer. In another version of the story, the children were kidnapped and killed by a group of Satanists. The superstitions continued as townsmen claim that if you peer through the vehicle's windows, you can see the ghosts of the children still inside. But the town's claim to infamy is a church. While there are two churches, the Mother of Sorrows on Main Street drew its own attention due to the upside-down crosses on the front. Needless to say, this was a catalyst for rumors of satanic churches and the town as a hub for satanic activity. Alright, so I told you this episode would have conspiracies, paranormal activity, and folklore. So the folklore or legend behind this land extends well past the settler era. The Algonquin tribe who originally lived on this land told stories of a creature in the woods. And some would say that is what drove the Algonquin tribe from living on that land. So instead of living on the land, the Algonquin tribe deemed that land as sacred. After the Algonquin tribe left the land, in the 1700s, a preacher by the name of Reed Farrington led a small group of people into the town now known as Boston, Ohio, to settle. Now, this was still deemed sacred land by the Algonquin tribe, even though it was uninhibited. But that was just an opportunity for the preacher. So he took the land. As the legend goes, one of the settlers, Marcus Lynch, proclaimed he saw a deer-like creature in the woods that was over seven feet tall when he was out hunting. He ran back to the townspeople and told them all what he saw. He was absolutely terrified. Because of the proud preacher Reed Farrington did not want to leave his land, told the townspeople that this was just the legend of the Wendigo, a cannibalistic monster that lived in the woods, and this was an old Indian legend, and he's heard of this legend from fellow towns members. He went on to tell his townspeople not to worry, but what he had been told by his fellow townsmen was the best way To live here was to cohabitate with the creature by giving it offerings. 
So the townspeople over the years did animal sacrifices, and it's been said, possibly even a few human sacrifices to keep the legend of the Wendigo at bay. So over the years, there have been mockumentaries like Helltown made about this legend or folklore or haunted town history, whatever you want to call it. Helltown was a Discovery Plus mockumentary that I watched. I took it with a grain of salt, although I did love the true attempt to come up with a fantastic cover-up storyline for the film. During the research of this film, I did some posts on Instagram, and I actually got an email from Mark at the Bosco Group letting me know about this other independent film documentary called June 9th. The film's intro reads as, What was intended as a day of harmless pranks for the group of high school kids celebrating the end of the school year became a road trip of terror. This film is the reenactment of the Boston Mills Five. It was a group of five kids, Derek Bogman, Robert Burroughs, Lisa Bogman, and Jennifer Naughton. Oh, and Alan Altenburn went missing on June 9th, 1999. This group of curious teens came to be known as the Boston Mills Five. They were last seen in Boston Heights, Ohio, on Hines Hill Road in a white 1989 Chevy Astro van at the time. The five teens were investigating the haunted area known as Helltown. So if you guys get a chance, check out those two films. I thought they were pretty cool. I loved all the info I got for this episode. So the jury's still out for me. With all of the urban legends and so-called paranormal stories, they have to come from some source, right? So, not sure if I think it was a government cover-up for a toxic spill or if it's just a haunted town. But either way, I thought it was really interesting. Well, my spooky friends, that is all she wrote for today's episode. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to today's story. If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at AfterTheEver. Please don't forget to swing by the show's website, AfterTheEver.com, to find the Contact Me page. If you have any listener stories or even suggestions for an episode, I'll post the links in the show notes below. Thanks again to my spooky production team. Please check out the show notes to find all the personal links to the team's artwork and music. Thank you all again for listening. And look out for episode 7. So until next time, stay spooky. And to the Wolfman, I love you. Ow!